I'm shaking. <clears throat> I wonder why. The Bible says, who looketh back is not fit for the kingdom of God, so I don't know how this all fits. Well, I don't know about the last half. I have something burning on my heart. It's a subject that I only heard one time in my life, and I, and I want to expound on that. <clears throat> but I will continue on where I left off. If you remember, and I failed, and I apologize for not making this two weeks ago, to warn you that I will give you a lot of details, a lot of, on this journey, because I am going somewhere with this. So, I ended up with my time in Faith Mission Home. There I was working. And in the summer of 2001, I was planning to come back out here to fix another truck engine. Truck I'm previously driving now had had an engine issue. So I was going out to fix it. So I saved up all my bonuses. If you're a good boy at Faith Mission, you got bonuses and you got a lot of extra vacation days. So I was piling these things all up because I wanted to come out here and drive the truck back east. Well, in that process, somewhere along the line, somebody gave my brother Glenn a set of four cassette tapes. Yes, tapes. And I tell you what, that changed my perspective. Changed my perspective. It, it was like as though it had checkboxes and it go ching, 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 each one. I said, wow, this is what, this is what God was doing in my life. It was a revelation. And that sermon was by Lone Solomon on brokenness. I never heard a sermon like that before. I never heard one after that. Can someone describe me what is the pro- the process of brokenness? You know, we put milk in a, through a process and we get cheese or butter or yogurt. We put a person through brokenness. He becomes a, a totally different man at the other end of it. But what is that process to get there? Do I wake up one morning? We read a broken and contrite spirit. God will not despise. So I wake up one morning, I'm going to be a broken person. Is that how that's going to work? No. no. Can someone describe me? What is the, pro- the process to brokenness? Anyone? Amen. Ever here? You were in the same boat that I was. Naive. Like I said, it's a message that is seldom ever spoke about. 
So, I am going to, this, Pastor Solomon, I am going to sort of, I, some of the th- details, I have no idea what he said, it was a, a sermon of four, but I do remember what really stuck out to me, what really what spoke to me, and number one was, there's a lot of people who don't know that God is working in their life and they're ignorant of it. And that was me. I did not know what God was doing. You know, and I made it easy for you. Of all those details I gave you, there's a pattern to it. It's a pattern to brokenness. God, you know, when Solomon was preaching and he went down through, I said, well, yeah, I can, I can relate to this whole thing. He said, it's the pattern. Yes, God is going to use people. Oh, yes, God used people. And he's going to use circumstances. Oh, yes. He used circumstances in my life. Oh yeah, and he said one other one, but it did not apply to me. So what? So I do not know what he. What was the third one? But in my in my case, he used people and he used circumstances. And in the, and in and through all that, you're going to have one rock bottom experience. Where all your props will get knocked out from under you, but God will leave one shoestring left, not? Will He leave one shoestring left for you to hang on to? No. No. Is He gonna leave one thread for you to hang on to? No. Even one hair? No. Nothing. Totally. Nano. Zero. He's not gonna leave you hang on to nothing. Who does God want you to hang on to when all your props are gone? He wants you to hang on to the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. You know, if you recall, there on eastern Nebraska, all my props were knocked out. There I was, in practically in the middle of the USA, with a sketchy truck and motor. So, so I thought. But actually, that truck made two more trips across the nation and ran like a top. But I didn't know that. And guess what he's going to use in that experience to knock all your props out? It's going to be the thing that's the clear, the dearest and the closest thing to your heart. And young man even pick up trucks. He's he's going to touch that to bring you to brokenness. And broke. And after that experience, there still will be pockets of brokenness. He's going to put stuff in your life to to continue the process of brokenness, but won't be near as severe. The process of brokenness, like I shared, is a lot of pain, a lot of agony, a lot of bitter experiences. 
Nothing pleasant at all whatsoever. Grievous, hard. And then God will pick you up and pour healing into your life. Is that what God did? Yes. He moved me into faith mission. After all these hard, bitter experiences, he moved to faith mission. Was the experience of faith mission easy? No. When you work with 60-some people, you always, there's always relation, relationship. Yeah, it's not easy. But when people love you and respect you and willing to walk beside you, you can withstand a lot when people support you. You know, when I was going through that church, I was alone. I didn't have that. My dear mom was the only anchor point in my life. Everybody else kind of like alienated because they did not want to be attached to it because less their neck would be on the line. So it was hard to have that feeling be all alone. Not only till many years later did I realize I had many silent supporters but they were scared to say something. Less what would happen to them. It's sad, but true. Brokenness. Open your Bibles to John 15. John 15 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bear forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. What does that say? For without me, ye can, you can do, can do nothing. If a man abide in me, He is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Does that sound something pleasant to go through? Do you have branches cut out of our life that are not bearing fruit? We dehorn our apple tree and make it produce more fruit, right? 
God, He does the same thing to your and my life. He prunes, He cuts out, whacks out what's not, not necessary to, so that we would produce more fruit for the kingdom of God. <clears throat> now, I am going to I did not suck this out of my thumb, but, okay, if you're acquainted with a Swartz and True Amish, I am going to abbreviate this, S-A, for Swartz and True Amish. This is the retention rate. We have the Old Order Amish, we have the New Order, uh, New Order Amish, and we have the Old Order Mennonites, and we have the BG Amish people. We have the Mennonites, which they're all basically one. The Swartz and Trooper Amish have approximately a 98%, a real high, almost 100% retention rate. Of retaining their people. That's almost, that retention rate, there's only Basically, only about 2% of the people that go to other denominations or we all go out in the world. But, as we know, the Swartz and True Amish, they have virtually no spiritual vitality. It's very religious. And I don't remember what the percentages are here, but I do remember this one here. What do you think is down here by the time we get down through there? You're close. It's sad. That is too true. When I first saw that, I was like, wow, what the deal? 20 to 25 percent. Now, again, remember, I did not suck this out of my thumb. But at the same time, it resonates. It's too true. And why? Why are we leave When these people basically have nothing to offer, but they retain 98% of their people. Here, we should have a lot more to offer, but we only retain this many people. We lose all the other two other denominations to the world. Why? Something's wrong. Now, I am going to throw something out there. It's food for thought. I'm not saying this is the way it is, but I wonder. Being that there's not a whole lot of spiritual vitality, can God really work and move in here whose heart are not really turned toward him as such? Yes, God can work through the Swartz and True Amish. He can work through anything. But would God... tend to work more in people who have a little bit more spiritual vitality. I like to revisit this thing of facing hard times. I like to take another look at it. 
we face hard times in life. We see this Mount Everest in our life. And it's looking at us. And it's all consuming to us. We see it. But we see it as a hard thing in my life. I wish it would get out of my life. We become bitter, angry at it. And we and we feel that God left us and afraid for a second. We toss him underneath the bus. And we walk away. Because we do not realize what God was trying to do in our life. We label only as a hard time in life and not realizing God is using that to perfect us and make us more like Him by knocking and chopping all that junk out of our life and, and, and to further us, us up. How should I say it? To purify us more, to be more like God, to further His kingdom. So I wonder why. It makes me wonder because of the subject of brokenness is seldom ever spoke about. Like I said, this is all new stuff to me. I've never heard of one since. Uh, I wonder why. I, I I wonder if that's why that percentage is so low. Because people do not recognize the good hand of God that is upon them. I'm just tossing up something to think about, something to consider. Do I wish this thing of brokenness on anybody? Not a chance. Not a chance. Why would I wish? Brokenness on somebody when it's grievous and it's hard and these and it's bit, these bitter experiences. Why? Is there anything about this whole process? Would I want it changed? Would I want it really to be changed? No. I don't want it to be changed. Am I grateful for what it did to me? Yes. Yes. I am grateful of what it did to me. It changed me. It changed me. It changed my whole being. It changed who I was. Even though the changes were slow and subtle, but it changed me. Slowly but surely. A person goes through that broken process. By the time he enters and by the time he gets out the other end, he's going to be a different person. He will not be the same person if it's all taken right or either not taken right, like in my case or like in many people's cases, because they're caught in the area of ignorance. Having the eyes scaled off, having the the scales off my eyes, I can see more clearly the good hand of God upon me. Even though I do not want to repeat it. Do I want to repeat it? No way. No way. Cool. 
And then guess what I did? I forgave the church A what they did to me. I forgave them. You know, there is Jesus. They're on the cross. He said, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know what they do. Those men in my life, they are absolutely clueless what was going on. And they were the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to bring this process of brokenness in my life. So, whoa, you're saying that wrong. No, I'm not. And two of them are in a grave having no clue what was going on way back then. Even though it was, everything was totally on the outward, totally about supporting a church system. It was nothing about my heart. It was all about the outward dress and uh, just, yeah. In light of all that, I forget. I do. I the thing I honestly can say that I absolutely hold no animosity toward them because I my 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 perspective was changed is changed when I when I listened to that brokenness message. And then I saw the hand of God. I forgave them. In light of that, do you remember what year this started? Can you think back two weeks ago? How old was I? The year of 91. I was 19 years old. Through 2001. How many years is that? I was 28 years old. This all happened just before my birthday. I was 28 years old. Dear young people, would you, your integrity and your faith in God, will it, will it pull you through ten years of hardship? Feeling like you're all alone. Feeling like, where is God? This Christian life is not work out like this. This ain't what's supposed to be happening. I'm going to say something very dangerous. I think as a church, we need to pray for brokenness. I don't wish it on, but we need to pray for brokenness. And now... You, and now, you know what to expect. 
by sharing what to expect the pattern. Because I believe brokenness brings revival. When when you are crushed, when you are changed, God can really work in your heart. He can use you. You're broken. Many, you know, Dale Heisey, he went through the same thing. And the story has it, he's a totally different man than when years back. Why? Why? Because he went through the school of brokenness. It changed him. He's a different man. We want to be used by God. I think we need to go through the school of brokenness. I realize what I'm saying is hard. It's not an easy message. But I want to walk away with, walk away from this building with a different perspective of what God is doing here in my life. It was good for me to revisit this. Because in the moment, in the moment of these hard times, in the moment, this is like again, we only see what we Mount Everest in front of us, and we forget what God is trying to do in our life. It, it, it's it's gone, and I'm just wondering how can we, in the midst of these hardships and, and these bitter experiences, how can we remember? This is the good hand of God upon me. God is bringing brokenness in my life, and will I accept that chastening? Rather than bucking against it and forsake God and toss him under the bus. Forget you. This is not the way that Christian life is supposed to work out. Rather than support these hard to to give support to that hard timing and God and, and God is refining me and purifying and purging me of the stuff that is not necessary in my life. It's grievous. These bitter experiences in life, do we are we allowing them things to allow, allowing us to become bitter or better. What are we doing? Are we allowing those situations that we, that it is becoming, that is a, a stepping stone in life to put us further ahead, closer to God? Or are we allowing it to be a stumbling block where we fall down flat on our face, flat on our face, 
food with Christian life. My mom, she drilled that into me because you never know what the future may hold. I knew it was true, but I didn't want to hear it. Because we never know what the future may hold. We never know what God has in the future for us, you and I. Those those hardships, those bitter experiences, they're forming and shaping us so that we can be an instrumental tool in the hands of God when he calls us, I want that one to be used. Like Dale Heisey, become a, a powerful man. To build, to exalt, to push my kingdom further. Further my kingdom. God help us. Again, I want to say, I want you to leave with a different perspective of the hand of God upon our lives. I don't know what you're all facing. I have no clue. I heard a couple, I think a couple of days ago, and I was thinking about this whole message. So what a timely message. We all face hard times in life, but what are we doing with them? Are we allowing, again, are we allowing them to mold us and shape us and become a better person for, for in the hand of God? Or are we becoming bitter, bitter at it and stumbling block and tossing God underneath the bus? We make, we make that decision. And along with that, I don't know how, you know, you know, God working in our lives and we toss him or turn our back against him. And the verse says, what, the, the good work that God started in us, he'll, he'll continue until the day of Jesus Christ. I don't know how to butcher that thing. I don't know how to unpack all that. So where do we go from here? Again, I gave you some heavy stuff. Okay. Okay. We'll revert back to faith mission. Yes, I, well, uh, yeah, I guess I was in Oregon by then. So, Victor Truck. Drove a thing back there. Yeah, faith mission time. At the close of my term there, this church membership thing came back to light. What I what am I going to do with this thing? 
By then, I was at a whole lot better spot in life. I had my feet back underneath me, and I looked at a whole different... I was fed and nourished and cherished that faith mission. Well, I don't know about the church part. Anyway. And um, the preaching of the word was just different than what I was used to. And so, yes, I was in a totally different spot. And I felt, and I just felt it was time to part ways from Church A. So that's what I did. I parted ways. And that was a basically spring of '03. As my time was drawing to a close, they found another maintenance man to replace me, which was Edwin Edwin Troyer, a local man that lives here. He replaced me, and I wasn't going to give him the treatment that I was, so I gave him a real. Real meal deal. I talked so much, I was absolutely hoarse. All the nuances of this place, he was going to get a major course, and he did. I told him all the ins and outs of this place. He was going to get a real education. Even, I forget vaguely, he was there visiting his daughter, and then they ended up staying for a couple months, but you know, just being there, you're you don't know what's going on in, into the belly of the beast, you know. Oh, what's going on? All on the, all, all on the dark side, of, all on the back side of things. So he got a real education. But a problem with that, you get hurled so much information, you forget. I mean, it's like, wow. He was probably staggering at all the information I was augering him. and But regardless here. He heard it. <clears throat> so I gave him a royal training course. So then I left there. Went back home for a month. I left in June. I spent the month there at home there in Ohio for July. And then not long before I was leaving, I got a leaving Faith Mission, my cousin called me from Montana, called me and said, hey, would you come out and help me f- this summer? I said, like, oh, I probably could just do that on the route back to Oregon. So I spent that month in in Ohio, then moved on to Montana, in Fairfield, Montana. I helped my cousin there. For one month, the month of August, and then moved on out here. Fall of 03. And... Hmm... In 06, I asked a girl, another rejection, 
young people, listen here, it was different. It was different. By the time I sent, by the time I sent my letter until I got it back, it was a very short. I I could tell there was no thought put into this thing. And the temperature of the letter was it was very raw. That door it was cocked and nailed and bolted shut. What do you do? Young men, what do you do? It could have been you. What what would you do? What did I do? What I did. What Hezekiah did. What did Hezekiah do with Snacker's Ridge letter? What did he do with it? He took it to the temple of God and he laid it all out before God and prayed over it and committed it to him. I did the same thing. You know, there are a lot of things that go rushing through your mind in times like that. Something just rises up within you. You want all the, you want, you want, you have all these 600,001 questions rolling, rushing through your mind. What's wrong with me? You say anything's wrong with you. That's like a number one one. Number one question that rolls out. Many other questions. What is going on? Again. <clears throat> But time brings healing. We don't need to know. Can we just accept it as it is? The serenity prayer. To change the things that I can change. And how does that thing go? And by not... <coughs> about not being able to change the things you can't and, and, and to, ex, ex, to accept it and, and the wisdom to know the difference. And young, young, and young ladies, in my time at Faith Mission Home, uh, it was a little bit before, there was a nice young girl there. And her boyfriend called her up. It's all, it's all over with. And they were going for some length of time. What would you do? It was more like getting ready for getting married. And he chopped it off. I mean, this morning I'm sharing you a lot of hard stuff. But something to grapple with, something to consider. What would you do?
I knew both of them. And some of his friends, they were just flabbergasted. They could not figure out what is wrong with this guy. A very nice girl and just... No exclamation or nothing. Done. Very painful. But she used it as a stepping stone in her life. In a, in, a, in a course of conversation, she alluded to all this. And she had the right perspective, even though it was very painful and hard, very hard. And I could relate to it. I said, yeah, I know. Again, these painful things. Are we going to turn to Christ with them and accept them? And continue to hang on God even though it feels like God forsake, has forsaken us. When, when here, we were planning to get married and here all of a sudden my boyfriend chop, calls me and chops the whole thing off. It's all over with. Shattered dreams, shattered hopes, shattered whatever. Gone. Instantly. When she assumed everything was okay, everything was fine. She was totally oblivious to what was going on. Again, I want you to walk out this building with a changed perspective. In spite of these hard, bitter experiences, that you'll see that the hand of God, the good hand of God, like you read in Nehemiah, that the good hand of God is upon, in spite of. Even though we cannot see that that the good hand of God is upon us. We only can see Mount Everest. And Mount Everest is looking back at us. But whether we want to accept it or not, the good hand is upon us. He's molding, shaping us to be more like Him. Well, you're probably wondering, well, well, what next now? And so, like I said, time does bring healing. And then God moved me to Faith Builders in Guys Mills, Pennsylvania, in like 09, 010, something like that. 
I called him up again, which I found was a little unusual. They usually call people, hey, can you come and volunteer? Can you help us out? I contacted them. So I was thinking, man, I'm doing everything backwards, but so be it. It's not the norm. He said, yes, I would like to be on the maintenance. He said, basically, mechanic of maintenance of the faith mission for three and a half years doing maintenance work. And say, hey, I think we can use you. Another little unusual thing, they brought me in March, right in the middle of a semester, which, again, they don't do that. But <laughs> they did me, right in the middle, middle of a semester. Normally, you always bring their people at a, right before, what was a fall semester, I think, largely. Seemed like every time I went to a VS place, I broke all the rules for some reason. Trying to step into a strange place like that, again, a building, if you, <laughs> if you ever were there, you, you can get lost so easy. All these stairways, well, they redid a lot of them. All these stairways and hallways and, wow, what a maze. So I spent approximately a year and a half there doing maintenance work there with another fella. They had two of them, which they typically only had one, but for some reason they thought felt like have two men on their maintenance team. And we did a lot of projects kind of hurt their budget, but they told us to do it, so we did it. And in that time, I didn't do so well at this. I shut my heart down for anything to do with girls. They're best that kept their arms length. They're best that Good friend, that's good enough. Mom, she says she realized I shut down and she didn't know what to do. Over this whole girl thing, where they have a mentoring program there, And it was said there, in every man's heart, there's an ache. And it seemed like that ache is there until you find a companion and the ache is gone. It's like there's something within us, we want a companion. And that's where I, and close to the end of my term, I started noticing Yvonne. It's like, oh dear, here we go again. 
And it's like, oh, fiddlesticks. It's like, oh, well, just, just another girl. But I couldn't get her out of my brain. It's like implanted there. So, it was like two years later or so, something like that. I decided to venture out and ask her. Letter came back with a response I never had before in my life. Said she, she don't feel comfortable moving ahead because she's dealing with other things in life. And so, well, understood. I can handle that. It was a, a, a very totally opposite from the other one. Very gracious letter. Like the door was cracked open. So oh, there might be some hope at the end of this trail. So they had this back in January. What was going on back there? Arlen and I, and we all traveled back there in January. I don't know. I was in Iowa, Iowa, and then we all traveled back to Pennsylvania. I forget. It was some big powwow thing. I don't know what was going on. And I talked to Yvonne a little bit, and and then that, and then Faith Builder called me. Hey, we would like you to come. And to work on our sewer plant. To work on it, it needs some repairs. And being that you took a, such an interest into our sewer plant, we would like to, if you would come and help us out to work on this thing. I was, oh, that's, that's a possibility. So in September, I flew back there for a week to work on the sewer plant to work on the aeration of it. And so, and that's, again, I ask, so I, middle of the week, I ask Yvonne out, give her another try, and through a little up and down, we decided, hey, give it a try. Let's go for it. And as, as of today, you can see what happened. She's sitting here in Oregon with me, being my companion. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but our first year of marriage was hell. Two old people trying to mesh our lives together, and each one did their own thing their way. And it was hard. Again, it was hard. And if you don't think ever think the, the word of divorce will ever come in your mind, you better think again. I was warned of that. He said, most likely it will come come to mind. And he was right. When things get heavy and sticky and 
but God was faithful. We pray, redeem us. He redeemed us. He, <laughs> he changed us a lot again. He redeemed the whole situation. It was rough, but God was faithful again. Again. You know, as short-sighted as I am, it's like, come on, guy, wake up. Again, can't you see the good hand of God in all this? Looking back, oh, yeah, you can, but, boy, in the moment, again, we just see Mount Everest. We forget all this other perspective stuff. We forget about the hand of God so quickly. Why can't we default to the good hand of God rather than defaulting to Mount Everest? It just boggles my little. It just boggles my mind. When am it's like when am I when am I going to learn? That I would default to the plan of God rather than defaulting to Mount Everest. So we lived there in two years in Meadville, Pennsylvania. Because I, oh, I skipped a, a chapter in my life. I was at SMBI for a term. Boy, that was a game changer too in my life. Wow. Again, it was more healing and more good stuff in my life in 04 on a three-week tour. Oh, wow, what a deal. Being crammed in a bus with 40 people for three weeks. That's a real thrill. It can get challenging, but good. So there are two, yeah, two um, years in Meville, Pennsylvania. I'm going to put a plug in there. Well, under the teaching of SMBI, I took uh, Family Life Number Two. They have Number One, and Number Two. I took Family Life Number Two. I was able to skip Family Life Number One because I took the Bill Gosford thing and said, "Well, we basically cover that," so I, I could slip into Family Life Number Two. So. And there, Val Yoder taught about, about moving into the area of the girl where she's from because a lot of some reasons. And so that's why I moved back to Meadville, Pennsylvania. And I'm glad I did. And my wife is glad that I did. Just a plug for you men. Something for you to consider. Because a girl goes through a lot of emotional upheaval, just everything changes in her life. Got to live with this man and and all his problems and yeah, it it just helps the transition a lot better if you want to be considerate of the other half. It goes a long way. And then in 
2016, moved out here, back to Oregon. I've been living here happily ever after. Well, not quite, but we still have our ups and downs. We still try to navigate life. Church life, home life, job life, project life, all these different lives, mobile life, electronic life, trying to navigate how do we do life. Here we are in 2023. God blessing. Oh yeah, we have one daughter. Forgot. My bad. Sorry, I don't know. Have no notes. Change our household. Forever song. We are grateful for you, Cecilia. You have you have also changed our perspective. Yes, we are blessed to have one and plus however many in heaven. Praise God, they're safely in heaven. I threw out a lot of food for thought, a lot of things to consider, but I want to leave you with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his shine, his face to shine upon you and be gracious upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you.